0: good evening. Good to see each one of you back in the Lord's house tonight. Would you stand with me, please? Let's turn to page 451. Page 451 as we begin our service tonight. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Amen. Let's sing it out. Verses 1, 4, and 5 together tonight. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way while we do his good will he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey but we never can The delights of his love Until all on the altar we lay For the favor he shows And the joy he bestows Are for them who will trust and obey Trust and obey For there's no other way in Jesus but to trust and obey then in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way what he says we will do where he sends we will go Never fear, only trust and obey, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Amen. Great start tonight.
1: And I'm telling you a simple but a very solid truth, amen, uh, right there. If we could just trust and obey, that'd solve a whole lot of issues right there, amen. So thankful tonight to be in the Lord's house, glad that you are here. Let's pray tonight, we need the Lord here, amen. Brother Gary Clark, would you pray for us uh, tonight? amen why don't you be seated uh tonight and uh certainly uh thankful to be here tonight i appreciate brother tim uh quinlan jumping in uh last uh wednesday night so y'all had big church and little church up here amen and and the teens were uh up here and uh i texted brother tim after the message that night and i said you know i said it stinks but i can definitely see the lord's hand and uh in it and appreciate him uh preaching and giving a wonderful testimony and that's one of my favorite passages in the gospel of john so i'm glad i got to hear that and uh just a real uh blessing well we do have a busy uh weekend uh coming uh up and so if you have uh teens in the youth department be much uh, uh be much in prayer but certainly also be aware that there is a youth rally uh, going on uh, this coming Friday night that'll be at First Baptist Church there in mission uh, Kansas I'm assuming it starts probably around uh, seven o'clock and and so I'm sure our our kids will be heading out probably around six or so and and going up there and so but if you do have uh, teens in the youth department that are planning to go to that, make sure that you're aware of that and what times and things uh, like that pray for brother Eric Watson he's going to be preaching that amen and so I believe that'll be a real Uh, blessing there. And then, of course, uh, this coming Saturday is our church-wide outreach, and that'll be at 10.30 in the morning. So looking forward uh, to that. And then, of course, uh, Sunday uh, is our uh, big uh, Thanksgiving banquet this Sunday, and uh, looking forward to having uh, Brother Frank Wood uh, with us, and he's going to be preaching the morning as well as the afternoon uh, service. And so uh, just want to remind you that uh, the morning time is business as usual. And so we'll have our men's prayer at eight o'clock. Our buses will be going out and then our Sunday school classes. We will have a combined uh, adult Sunday school class. And Brother Cody Watson, uh, of course, out of our church uh, training there for the ministry at Heartland Baptist Bible College. He's going to be teaching our Sunday school class. And then, of course, Brother Frank Wood will be preaching in the morning and then we'll go over to the E.J. Watson Gymnasium and have lunch. And then we'll come back uh, for an afternoon service. Uh, usually ends up being around 2 or 2.30 in the afternoon. We have an afternoon service, and Brother Wood will be preaching uh, that as well. And so just wanted to remind you of that. Bring a covered dish, maybe a, a side dish or dessert or both, uh, however you want to do it. Uh, we, do, we are going to have, I think we've got four turkeys and three hams. And so we should, well, hopefully we'll have enough, all right, so... Uh, but uh, then we'll come back over and try not to fall asleep, amen, while Brother Wood uh, is preaching. But I know he'll be a blessing, and uh, it'll, all, it'll be a good day in the Lord. Did want to remind you of that, and then also no evening service Sunday night, so make sure you're aware of that. And then, of course, uh, the week of Thanksgiving next week, did want to remind you our midweek service will be the 21st, which is Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, so no service that Wednesday night. We're going to move it uh, to Tuesday night. And then, of course, Sunday, the 26th of December, I'll uh, be hosting uh, Missionary Tom Gritz, our missionary to England, so he'll be here with us, reporting in the Sunday school and then preaching in the evening service. Then just wanted to mention this here. We've got quite a few things coming up uh, in December, of course, with the Junior church program. I think Christmas Eve uh, this year is on a Sunday, and so we're just we're gonna have a morning uh, service and then an early evening service. and i'll I'll be mentioning those things as it gets closer. But I did want to mention this to our ladies, the Ladies meeting. Uh, for the month of December is December the 5th, which is on a Tuesday night. And so I uh, just wanted to mention that to our ladies. And also uh, you're asked to bring, it is potluck, and to bring a gift for a lady. And so uh, maybe something like, um, y- you know, a, a, a new hunting rifle or something that a lady could give to her husband, amen. So anyway, no, I'm just kidding. anyways. So just wanted to mention. All right, mercy. It's it's Wednesday night. I know. I know. You can. Anyways, I thought that I was just thinking about that. You know, it's probably you know a new drill or DeWalt or anything. All right. If you got your prayer list out tonight, let's go ahead and and uh, get uh, those out. You may not find my jokes funny, but I do. All right. So I uh, did did just want to mention some things. Uh, praise the Lord. The Ellises uh, were able to sign on a place to live, and so. Uh, continue to pray for that and did want to mention Miss Sammy had her surgery Monday and she is doing really good. And so praise the Lord uh, for that. Also do pray for the Dossing family as uh, they're transitioning to the wicked state of Texas. That's just all the more reason to hate Texas right there. Amen. They're taking the Dossings, uh from us. Uh, but do pray for uh, that and the transition as they're selling their house and then uh, moving uh, down there. And so remember that in prayer uh, on our health issues, good to see Brother Raymer. He's doing real well. You want us to keep you keep you on there still, or okay? Oh, Tuesday. All right. So he's going back Tuesday, and uh, getting the other uh, man. He's going to be able to see clearly for Thanksgiving. Amen. So, amen. You gotta you gotta spy out the land, right, and look for the turkey. Amen. So, uh, pray for him. He'll be having a second uh, cataract surgery, and so pray for uh, that and then of course uh continue to pray for brother roy mccray and good to see miss sue uh was able to make it uh tonight and if you would pray for him he is still in icu uh the cognitive side of things is kind of about the same and he does have a colon infection now and so if you would pray uh for that just he'll continue to heal uh, up uh it was a real blessing to see hugo and irma alonzo here uh sunday too And just pray for her. They're still kind of working with her meds and stuff, with her cancer. And so uh, if you would, pray uh, for her. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight and take some requests and things. And so if you've got a prayer request or an update or anything like that, uh, we can do that. And certainly be mindful, there's a lot of people on here on our health list. And if so there's any that we can take off, please let us know on that. All right, so Brother Parker. hmm Good amen. man Sure yep yeah yeah okay all right let's uh, do do pray for the Parkers uh, Jack and Lizzie as they're traveling i I praise the Lord they're already at at forty percent. And so that's just incredible, and so thankful, very, very thankful for that. They're already, uh, man, I'm getting all these texts. They're blowing up my phone about planning next year and all, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So, anyways, but there, it's exciting, it really is. And so, so, amen. So that's, amen. That hey, whatever works, brother, whatever works. All right, all right. Anybody else uh, tonight, brother, brother Clark? okay well praise the lord good that's a blessing there so that's miss shirley duggar and uh with a broken hip and thankful she doesn't have to have surgery and so praise the lord for that that's a blessing all right miss deborah okay and remind me of his jim yes jim uh with his two m's right Jim, <laughs> that's awesome. Right, AY, okay. And uh, what's going on with him? Still, yeah. Okay. Okay. So pray for him because I know he was in the hospital last. Was it week week before last with pneumonia? okay so let's pray for for jim gray amen i will never (laughs) that's that is awesome amen so pray pray for him and i know he'd appreciate that all right yes ma'am yeah right good wow okay okay so praise the lord she got approved that's a blessing and going to be able to go there so all right so let's continue to pray for laura uh, stanfield with cancer that's miss georgie's uh, sister and i know she would appreciate that as well anybody else tonight miss melanie Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So you said that's Friday. Okay. Okay. All right. So. All right. So let's continue to pray for Miss Melanie Edler with uh, some of the health battles she's been struggling with. And then also with some of the tests that she's been having and coming up. And so let's remember that in prayer. And then Jacob Gibson. And uh, let's pray for him and his need need to know the Lord for sure. Absolutely. All right. Anybody else tonight as we go to the Lord prayer? Okay. Let's have our men uh, come tonight. And, again, certainly pray for uh, these. And um, I'm telling you, people that need to know the Lord, mercy. That's That's number one right there. Amen. Brother John Ellis, would you pray for us tonight? Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: stand together one last time. Turn to page 430 together. Page number 430, we have an anchor that keeps the soul. Let's sing all three verses tonight. Page 430. Sing it out on the first. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife? in the savior's love it is safely moored. will the storm withstand for is well secured by the savior's hand though the tempest rage and the wild winds blow not an angry wave shall embark or flow Savior's love. When our eyes behold through the gathering night, the city of gold, our harbor pride. We shall anchor fast by the heavenly shore, with the storms all past forevermore. We have an anchor that keeps Into the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Aren't you thankful for that anchor tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's remain standing. Get your Bibles ready for the message tonight.
1: Have an anchor. Amen. First Timothy chapter number three tonight. First Timothy and chapter number three tonight and of course we are going through the pastoral epistles is what has been uh, called uh, in our Wednesday night uh, services and so that's first and second Timothy and then of course uh, Titus and uh, those young men that Paul would train uh, in the ministry and so we're still in first Timothy we have come to chapter number three and so if you Remember anything about the beginning of chapter number three? It's about the qualifications of a bishop, and so tonight we're going to see part uh, two, and hopefully we'll get far enough to where we can have part three, and hopefully not part four. All right, uh, and so here's here's the thing: we could we could run through all of this really fast, but but I'm telling you, there's a lot of good stuff here, and you'll miss and you'll miss out on it. All right, and so now remember, Timothy has been left at the church at at Ephesus to establish sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is healthy doctrine. And healthy doctrine produces healthy Christians. And when you get into chapter number 2, you find out what healthy Christians look like. Healthy Christians are godly Christians. So he deals with godly men and godly women. Now here's the thing. For the church to be godly, this is what I told our kids this morning in chapel. How would you feel if you're out there striving to be godly, but in the, in the pulpit there's wickedness? That's not right. Just as there is to be godly men and godly women in the pews, there's to be godly leadership. All right? For the church to be everything that, that Christ intends for her to be, there needs to be godliness in every capacity. And that's where we get into chapter 3 and the qualifications of a bishop and the qualifications of a deacon. And so look at verse number 1 here tonight. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, Sometimes, no, it's not a brawler, right? <laughs> not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of of the devil. Father, thank you tonight, uh, Lord, for the Bible. Thank you that it gives us things like this. I'm thankful tonight personally because I have enjoyed uh, going through this and studying these things because, Lord, it, it just feels like being convicted all over again and being reminded of my responsibilities as a pastor. But God, would you help us tonight to uh, Lord that, that it wouldn't be that just the man of God is under the microscope because Lord these are characteristics and qualities that every one of us need to have in our lives so God help us tonight to put each each one of us under the microscope our own selves and Lord have you speak to us and challenge us and convict us and help us to grow as your people tonight I, I pray that every person tonight knows Christ as their Savior they've They've had repentance toward God and faith in you. And if not, let tonight be the night. But Lord, as we are saved, help us to grow in you by having, a, having godly characteristics. I, I think about chapter 2 and, and the challenge to be godly for men and, and women. But Lord, getting into these, into these specifics of qualifications of a bishop, it just goes that much deeper into what godliness should look like so help us tonight, and I ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Won't you be seated tonight? Appreciate you standing in honor of God's word. Now, I do want to just remind you as we've kind of jumped in, jumping into this passage uh, once again uh, tonight. I do want to remind you of a couple of principles that that we discussed as we started this study uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we were getting we were getting into this just. Just again, want to hit some things here. Notice again, verse number one, because it says, "This is a true saying: If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good he, he desireth a good work." All right, and we discuss the term bishop, and we know this that it is one of the Bible terms that speaks to the office of a pastor, along with terms like elder or or pastor. Uh, we we no longer use terms like elder or or even bishop today because of their associations with with false religion. <coughs> uh, excuse me, but 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 you you got to understand this tonight. It is still those are still Bible terms, all right. And the reason that I I, I want you to be reminded of that is because really each of them describe. Uh, the responsibilities of, of a pastor or, or a man of God. And, and so it's important that we understand that. In fact, the word bishop right here, it literally has to do with being, being a overseer. Meaning this, that he oversees the flock of God. He, he watches over them and cares for them, leads them into following the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the idea right there. But I also like this, that he, that he says this. He says, if a, if a man desire, all right, desire the office of a bishop. And so again, we know that that speaks of that desire that God, that God places within the heart of a man as he is dealing with him about preaching, all right? And, and so, and, and again, I do want to remind you of this. It's a good work. Listen, it may be looked down upon men today and by the world, but it is not looked down by God. Uh, It is a good work in the eyes of God. And so here's the thing tonight, and we even dealt with this in in the previous message. If it's looked looked at as something that that is high in God's view, it ought to be looked that way in the people of God. And may we never get to this place where, where we discourage the next generation from serving the Lord. And we discourage young men from... From seeking the Lord and, and if God would have them to be in the ministry and, and things like this I, I'm just li- listen, I'm telling you tonight God is still calling men to preach. now, I want to say this we we, we, we we understand churches are hurting today to find good preachers. <laughs> churches are hurting today to find good preachers, and some of the shortage of and some of the shortage of, of that is because men aren't answering the call to preach for for fear of, of giving up temporal things and that which is convenient. I, I get all of that. But, but you understand, I, I also believe this. Some aren't answering the call for fear of how, you, you know, what mom might say or what dad might say or something like that. Listen, may that not ever be a thought in our kids' minds. That if God's dealing with them about, about serving the Lord in some capacity, may they always think in their mind, man, man, if, if anything, my mom and dad would be excited that, that God's calling me to do something for him. And that'd be the last thing that they'd have to worry about is talking to us about, you, you know, uh, what God's doing uh, in their life. Listen, they, uh, so we, we need to encourage them to follow the Lord. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good work. And let me, let me help you with this tonight. God's not going to let them starve to death. I'm just telling you. I, look, I, never mind. I don't even want to talk about my weight right now. Amen. I'm just saying to you, I've I've not missed any meals. Amen. Now, so, so again, this is talking about the office of a bishop. He desireth, if he desireth a good work, God calling him into that, and it is a good work. But the second thing that I want to remind you of tonight as we're getting back into this is that when we look at this passage, please be careful not to dismiss it. If you're not called into ministry or anything like that, don't, Don't sit here tonight and go, well, preacher, this this is dealing with you and and your office tonight. This has has nothing to do with us tonight. Listen, you're wrong. There's still an application to every one of us tonight. You, You understand? If you are a member of Faith Baptist Church, and I'm going to say this to you tonight. If you are a member of Faith Baptist Church, you have the responsibility to know these qualifications. And the reason for that is because in case there ever comes a time where this church is in need of a pastor, you need to know what to look for. And I'm not listening again. I'm not going anywhere. And I dealt with that in the last message. I'm not camping out on that tonight. But I'm saying to you, it's the responsibility of this church to make sure that you get a man of God that is biblically qualified according to stuff right here that's given in First Timothy chapter 3. And, and again, secondly, all of these qualifications that a pastor should be seeking to have in his own life and in his own family. It's not like we could look down through here and go, yeah, you know, I'm good without that. Every one of these things are good things. And if the, and if the man of God, and if God's saying that the man of God and his family need to have them in their lives and in his life, then yes, I'm saying to you that we should all be looking at this one. you know what, that's something that I need to have in my life as well. And, and, and really, I, I believe this, as we, as we go deeper and deeper into this, I think that it's going to become more apparent to you that, you know what, these are really good things that, that I need to have in my life. Now, in the last message, we saw this. We saw, we, we just saw, we only got two, you know, two things down, I think. We got, we got the blameless there. So in verse number two, it says, a bishop then must be, and he says, blameless, and, and again, that means That means without fault. In other words, he cannot be accused of these things. And it introduces all of the qualifications here for a bishop. And it's the idea that a qualified man of God cannot be guilty or accused of of any of these things. If he is, then he's disqualified. And again, it doesn't mean that the pastor is perfect, he's not. He's going to fail, he's going to make mistakes but he should be striving to have these things in his life and understanding that. So, so you understand, he's to be blameless. And then we saw husband of one wife. You've got to spend a lot of time there because we're in a confused day. A husband is a man. And a husband was born a man. And stayed a man his whole life. I know, I know. But that's the day we're living in, isn't it? And so you've got to be clear on these things. And husband of one wife is not one wife at a time. It is one wife for one lifetime. And so you understand that means that the pastor must be a man. He cannot be divorced, nor can his wife be, be divorced. So again, this doesn't, it's not dealing with polygamy or any of those things. So, so that's, the quali- that's the first two that we looked at. So now look down at verse number two again. So it says this, a pastor must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, <laughs> and now we come to this next term, this next quality, and it says this that he must be he must be vigilant. Vigilant. This means to be circumspect. It means it literally means to be circumspect, cautious, prudent, watchful on all sides. All right, that's vigilant. Now, now, this is what I want you to catch, and I want you to listen to this. Though the application could be made for the pastor as a shepherd, to be vigilant in watching over the flock that God has given him. You can make that application, no doubt. It's one of the responsibilities he's to do, to look out for false doctrine, wickedness, things like that. You know what, the pastor should be willing to, you know, he's, he's, you know, there's going to be times where he may come to you and go, you know, I've noticed this going on in your life. Because sometimes we're, we're the person on the inside and we get blind to things. And, and, and it takes somebody on the outside looking in to come in and go, hey, I've noticed this is going on here. Just want to see how you're doing. You're doing okay? And we shouldn't go, well, I just get offended by stuff like that. Because he's looking out for your best interest. Somebody understand that? And, and so there's an application that, that could be made there on that, note, no doubt. But here's what I want, to, I want you to catch. When you consider the other qualifications in the verse, I believe this is speaking of the necessity for the pastor to be vigilant in his own life. In other words, just as he is to be sober and of good behavior... And, and so on in his own life, he's also to be vigilant in his own life. That means he needs to be circumspect. He needs to be cautious. He needs to be prudent. He needs to be watchful on all sides in his own life. And, and what I want to say to you tonight is this. Remember when I said this a minute ago? Don't dismiss all of these qualifications and think, well, this has to do with the pastor. This doesn't have to do with me. I believe this is where it becomes very apparent This isn't just something that the pastor needs in his life. This is something that would help you and benefit you as well as a Christian, as a child of God. Listen, this is something that we all need to learn to do in our own lives. Doing doing some things that will, this is something that will become incredibly helpful in your Christian walk. And, And so I just, let me give you some things and maybe how this personally applies to to, to me, how, so the things I've learned as a pastor, all right, that, that ha- has helped me in, in my Christian life. Because whether you realize it or not, you know, somebody asked me the other day uh, how long I had, had been pastoring and preaching, and, I, and I, I had to think a minute. Used to, you didn't have to do that. Now I'm getting to the place where if I got to count, I got to take my shoes off. You know, especially years that I, you know, I surrendered to preach in, in July of 2002. And, you know, if you're like me and you were, you know, you were born before the 90s and back then you're like 2000s, that's not that far away, but it's actually more than 20 years away. And I started thinking about, I was like, man, it's been, I've been, I've been preaching for 21 years and I've been pastoring for over 15 years. And the reason that I bring that up is because you don't find guys in the ministry that long anymore. And you know why? Because they're not vigilant. And there's a reason why I've been doing it as long as I have and I'm still doing it it, because there's some things that I've learned that have helped me in my life to be vigilant on some things. So let me give you some things here. The first one is this. As a pastor, he needs to be on guard of spiritual warfare. Listen, we're living in a day where people are just utterly ignorant of spiritual warfare. And, and even preachers have gotten this way. But I want to give you these things tonight. Whether it be an attack through oppression or discouragement or even carnal people being used as Satan's pawn. The pastor needs to be aware of these things and he needs to learn to go to God in prayer and trust Him when these things take place in his life and in his ministry. Is anybody catching that? So, so, when it, come on, you, 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 not, some of you aren't even nodding tonight. You're just like, I don't know. all right, when, when things like spiritual oppression come, when there's like warfares and there's discouragement or, or something like that in my personal life, or maybe somebody is, is attacking me or, or something like that, an individual or whatever, whether, whatever the case may be, you, you know what I need to learn to do? I need to learn to go to God in prayer on those things. And I need to learn to trust God through. Those things and listen, many many a man of God has quit the ministry because he has not been vigilant in this area. Rather than opening his eyes to the spiritual warfare taking place, and then depending on God through prayer, he attempts to do battle in the flesh. You cannot do that in ministry. Listen to me. There's a reason why. When in the typically in the first thing in the morning. I have my phone on, on silent. I have do not disturb. And you can ask Brother Eric because he'll, sometimes he'll come up to my office and it's, and it's like 8.30, 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock and my door is shut. You know what I'm doing? I'm spending time with God. Because I cannot do the ministry in the flesh. Trust me. There, I'm just telling you. There, there are times where I want to be busy and my flesh is going, I don't want to pray. I don't want to read the Bible. I'd rather clean the toilets and do this and do that. But I'm telling you, I have learned. You cannot do ministry without walking with God and trusting trusting God. Because you're going to face spiritual warfare. One of my favorite rules in ministry is this. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. Because here's what, and and my wife and I were even having this discussion the other day. I said this, I, I, I said this, and I didn't even say it out loud. Because you don't say stuff like this out loud. But I said, I thought to myself, man, things have been really going good lately. That's where I messed up. Because I'm telling you, I didn't make it to the end of the week. And there's something else going on. There's this going on. There's that going on. There's this going on. And now I'm like, I need another vacation, man. Can we go back to Italy? Can we? You think I'm kidding? And I, and I looked at Natalie and we were talking about it and I said this. Do you, I said, you know what I'm learning? I'm learning that spiritual warfare, it's cyclical. It's cyclical. It just kind of, I mean, listen, you'll, you'll have, you'll, have you, you'll, you, you know, you, I'm just saying you'll have, you'll have a calmness and then you'll have a storm. You'll have a calmness and then you'll have a storm. You'll have, you'll have a valley and a mountaintop, valley and a mountaintop. Let me, let me help you with this tonight. That's, that's Christian life, period. That's ministry, period. L- listen to me, listen to this. Don't make major decisions in the midst of the storms. That's when guys quit. That's when guys throw in the towel. Just just wait on God. Trust in God. Go to God in prayer, and He will see you through it. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because here's what I found. Because you'll miss out on the blessings on the other side. Do you know this? There's always a mountaintop on the other side of the valley. And you miss out on those things. And this is what listen, this isn't what just people do in ministry, because it's not just where there used to be guys in ministry and now they're not. There used to be people in the pews and now they're not. And you know why? Because they were going through some battle and they made a major decision like, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to spend time in prayer. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to do what the pastor says. I'm not going to listen to some other church member trying to encourage me. I'm giving up and quitting and stopping. That's what they did and they missed out on the mountaintop on the other side of it. You need to be vigilant, friend. Wake up. We're in a spiritual warfare. Why, why do you think people go, All right, I'm, I'm going I'm to trust Christ as my Savior, and they get saved, and their whole world turns upside down. Why do you think that is? That's called spiritual warfare. All right, well, I'm going to get baptized. Well, buckle up, buttercup, because here it comes again. Well, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to commit and I'm going to follow God for my life. And then all of a sudden, turmoil after turmoil and battle after battle and temptation after temptation. Why do you think that is? Last time I checked, we're in a spiritual warfare. This ain't a playground. This is a battleground, son. So you got to be vigilant. Here, here's something else. You, 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 the man of God needs to be on guard, of not only on spiritual warfare, he needs to be on guard of temptation. I want you to listen to this tonight. Every person needs to have enough spiritual maturity to examine themselves and know their own weaknesses and then do everything they can to protect themselves from sin and falling prey to them. Let, let me say that again because some of you aren't getting this. Every person, if you're listening tonight, if you're here tonight or you're listening on a live stream, listen to this. Every person needs to have enough spiritual maturity to examine their own selves and know their own weaknesses and then do everything they can to protect themselves from sin and falling prey. And you do this, you do this by having accountability in your life and personal standards in your life. That's how you do that. Being a man of God has lost his testimony to the opposite sex or addictions to sin, and the reason is their own lack of village, vigilance in their own life. They haven't they haven't put any guards up. And again, this isn't just good for me. This is good for you, because here's the thing. I, listen, I, I've not only seen pastors do this. I've seen pastors' wives do this. I've seen I've seen I've seen deacons and deacon wives. I've seen people of God and just Sunday school teachers, servants in the church. Am I catching this? I'm just saying this isn't just something for the bishop, for the pastor. This is something for everybody, and we need to learn this. This is why this this is why th- these are. The, I'm just sharing with you things I do. This is why my wife and I we hold one another accountable when it comes to electronic devices, and 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 and, and, and social. You you know uh, what? What is it? Social. I was about to say social distancing, social networking, social distancing. This is like social networks and things like that, and and computers and and you know all all of this stuff. Every everything that we have, we we have access to one another's lives, emails, everything. There's nothing. She knows my passcode to my phone. If she can't find my face to open it, she knows the code. And same way with her, and I know her stuff. And we have access to our own accounts. And so, li- listen to me, listen to me. There's, there's no such thing as a secret life. There, there's no, that's, well, you, no, 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 no. That's wickedness. If you got something like that going on, you're, you're setting yourself up for wickedness. There, there's no, well, you don't understand. I need my privacy. Yeah, you're opening yourself up for wickedness. There's no such thing. And by the way, this isn't just good for husbands and wives. This is good for parents and children. My kid, I'm telling you, we can have access to our kids. We, uh, when, they, when they were coming up, and I realize we've got one now that's a young adult and two that are in college and all that, but we still have access to most all of their stuff until they prove that they're able to set their own standards and have their own accountability, then they're not, they're, they're not going to be out there on their own. Somebody once said this, the Internet, it, it is a great tool, but it can be a dangerous tool. So it's like a chainsaw. You can use it to cut trees down, but you can also cut your own leg off if you ain't careful. And there's been many a man of God and many a woman of God and many a child of God that has ruined themselves with with pornography and social networking and, and finding some old girlfriend or some old boyfriend back in my high school days. And we started connecting and the next thing you know, they're meeting and having an affair. Some, I'm tell, listen, somebody, take, if, outside, if it ain't my mama that sends me a message and it's somebody the opposite of sex, I'm showing Natalie. Because I don't want her to pull up my stuff and go, hey, what's so-and-so doing messaging you? Well, you know, preacher, you got your thing, but I got my secret identity on my Facebook and stuff. You're wicked. You're wicked. You're setting yourself up for major catastrophe. That is ungodly. And God's people have no business doing this stuff. We have accountability, friend. That's called being vigilant. I said, that's called being vigilant because people are crazy. That should have got a big amen right there. Let, let Let me help you with this. This is also why I have personal standards and rules in my life and in ministry. I often say this I'm a big fan of rules. Because here's the thing without rules, everything goes. You need to have have personal standards and personal rules. And, And this is the thing. That helps me to protect my personal testimony. And it just keeps me from putting myself in a place of temptation. Even if I do it ignorantly. I don't want to do it ignorantly either. And so I want to be vigilant. That's the idea of being circumspect and have what and have wisdom and things like that. That's why that's why I don't that's why when you see greet each other with a holy kiss in the Bible, I say this. In the Greek that means with a handshake. I don't that's why I don't run around hugging all the women in the church. Don't don't give me no 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 and I and I know that I realize there are certain times and, and situations where somebody's going through a great tragedy or something like that and as their pastor you love them and you care about them, and you may come up and embrace them and pray with them, or, or you've got, you know, and I think about these girls that come up in our church, and, and, and we love them, and we pray for them, and, and, and they're, like, they're like my daughters, and, and, and they, they reach some milestone where they graduate or, or they, they get married or something like that, and as their pastor, you hug them, and you congratulate them, and you're thankful. But I'm just telling you, I realize there are times like that, but you're not going to find me walking around and hugging all the ladies in the church and the girls in the church. and stuff. Listen, that, that's called creepy. And I'm not, I, you know, there's a certain president that does that. And I'm not going to say his name, but his initials are Joe Biden. And that's just creepy. And I've, I've sat there and watched some of the videos and stuff that he's done, and I'm sitting there thinking, if that was my daughter, I think I'd have knocked him out. And you're like, well, you're not supposed to be a brawler. Yeah, but that's my daughter. Keep your stinking filthy hands off of her. And stop smelling her hair, you weirdo. I don't listen. I'm telling you right now, that, that shouldn't be. You you start doing things like that. you I'm just, you, you need this is why, this is why I'm tell, this is why, you know, you I go and preach, you know, these college conferences or chapel at Heartland or 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 a youth conference. And there'll be some girls, and they'll come up and they'll say, "Can we can we get a picture with you?" And you did our youth camp, and such as. And, such. and I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And I understand all that, but here's how, here's how I take the pictures. You know why? Because you can see my hands. I don't do this because I don't want somebody wondering where my hands were at. That's my testimony. That's that's what I that's in my thinking. That's what you got to guard yourself. And you got, and you, you may be sitting back going, now listen, preacher, that's a little... But you understand the accusations and the things that can happen. That, that's, and that, that just goes... That's why I don't allow women into my office unless my wife is present with me. And I realize there are certain situations where somebody comes and, and sticks their head in the door just to say hey or something like that and, or, or to let me know something. I, I get all of that. But when it comes to somebody coming into my office and sitting down... In front of my desk, or, or whatever, and, and it's a, and it's somebody of the opposite sex. You mark it down. My wife's gonna be in the next chair, and she's gonna be in there before that door closes. I know, I know of a pastor. I know of a pastor who didn't do that and ended up having an affair. And I'm thinking, you vigilant, and he missed it. And I'm just saying, I don't listen. I'm, I'm telling. Here's here's another here's another rule I have. When I'm traveling and I'm in a hotel by myself, I don't turn on the TV. It's just a rule I have. And so I don't, I don't turn on, why? Because it keeps me from watching something I don't have any business watching. Just as simple as that. I, I limit myself to certain websites on my computer. I have a computer in my office and I have, I have three websites that come up whenever I, whenever I open my internet and, and it's ESPN and and a couple of new sites and that's it. If I do any kind of you know if I if I have to research and do any kind of research on anything that I would think would be questionable, guess who's in the office with me? My wife. And I, you can ask her. I've had I've said, hey babe, can you come in here because I'm going to Google this and I just want to be here. I want you to be here in case anything pops up that I don't. I don't want to see, because that's just the day and age in which we live in. Look, I could—I'm I, just listen. I, I could sit here with a whole host of things, but you understand the point is this: if you're not willing to examine yourself and know your own weaknesses, and then put up guards to protect yourself from them, you're not being vigilant. And I've seen—and and I've seen people in ministry. I've seen people in ministry fall because of this, but I've also seen people in the pew fall from. And, and I'm I'm just telling you, 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 when you are not vigilant, you're being ignorant of things. You are you are reflecting spiritual immaturity, and those those are exactly the kinds of people Satan is looking to come after. He's looking to come after you, and you cannot. You got to be vigilant. Look at the next thing here. It says this: He's vigilant. He's sober. All right, and sober means uh, sound in mind. It, it has the idea of being self-controlled. The pastor must be disciplined, mature, serious about his work. He cannot be a jokester or a prankster or childish in his living or his conduct. Doesn't mean he cannot have fun. All right, or or laugh or cut up from time to time. It be he, he can't. He can be normal sometimes. There's there's a time to laugh. I get that, but there's also a time to be serious. And you've got to have balance in this area. The pastor is to show manliness, to show maturity and leadership. He's not to be indulgent. And when when children are indulgent, children are indulgent, the word indulgent means this, to take something to an extreme or too far one way or the other. The pastor cannot be that way. He has to be sober-minded. He has to be sober-minded. And again, this isn't just for the pastor. You need to be sober-minded as well. But but here, notice the next thing here, because I want to go into this one, because it says, of good behavior. And these two kind of go along together, because you you have sober here that means self-controlled, and then then good behavior means orderly. Get, get, Get this. It's the same Greek word that is translated as modest. In chapter 2, modest apparel, orderly apparel, it's the same way right here. It's of good of good behavior. And so here's to describe not the apparel of the pastor, though it's good that he matches his clothes, but the behavior and life of the pastor. It must be modest. It must be in order. Um, and, and I'll just, and I've probably said this before in the pulpit, but I know our staff has heard it a multitude of times. But one of my favorite words in ministry or even in life in general is the word balance. I probably could have asked Eric the pop quiz tonight and he would have made 100. Because he's heard me say, you've got to be balanced, you've got to be balanced. There's balance in everything. There's ba- and, and the pastor, he's got to be careful not to get out of balance one way or the other in things in his life. Because when he does, what happens is this, things get out of order. He's got to be be balanced with his behavior. Let me explain what I mean by that. A pastor cannot be a pushover. Because when he's a pushover, people will push him over. People will manipulate him. Men will bully him. He cannot be that way. He cannot be a pushover. But at the same time, he cannot be hateful and mean. So, So there's balance because both of those things... Or unscriptural, a pastor must be balanced and in order with his behavior. He must have compassion, but boldness. He's got to have meekness, but righteousness. He's got to have love, but also strength. You understand? Think about, think about our God. He is a God of love, but He's also a God of a consuming fire. Think about the Lord Jesus Christ. He came with grace, but He also came in truth. So, so you understand... There's balance there. And the man of God must must have that. And here's what I found in my life is that that balance only comes when he actually walks with God and is filled with the Spirit of God. You know when you're going to find that balance? When you walk with God and you're filled with the Spirit of God. And you'll have those things in in your life. Here's something else. Listen to this. He's got to be balanced with his time. A pastor cannot be lazy in the ministry or the ministry will suffer However, the pastor cannot be a workaholic either or else his family will suffer. And by the way, that goes for every one of us here tonight. These things can quickly become out of order. He must be balanced in his conduct or his way of life. Indulgence one way or the other in things like eating or hobbies or entertainment or so on. It it causes priorities to be out of order in a man of God's life and unproductive for the ministry. If a man indulges in his eating habits and becomes overweight... He cannot do the work of the ministry and becomes a poor testimony to the people of God. Think about that. But but at the same time, he cannot worship his body either and spend all his time at the gym. So you understand, there's balance in that. So, he needs to relax and have a cheeseburger, but then go run it or walk it off. Amen. I'm amen in that one. But you understand there's balance there. If a man indulges in a hobby such as golf or hunting or fishing and so on, he has no time for family or ministry and the work does not get done. But at the same time, ministry is is stressful. And if the pastor does not need and the pastor does need a life outside of the office, out of the out of balance here can lead to some bad things either way, whether it be a poor testimony and not doing the work God's called him to do or a heart attack. It's just balance there. And again, we could go on and on, but the point is this a, man, a man's life has to be in order. It needs to be balanced. It needs to be disciplined. That's what of good behavior and sober means. Not childish, not lazy, not indulgent. Let me give you the next thing here and we'll, and we'll wrap up tonight. Given to hospitality. It's pretty honest there. It means to be hospitable, fond of guests. How a man treats others and how others feel about a man says a lot about his character, doesn't it? A pastor should be one that enjoys being around others and others enjoy being around him. And his wife ought to be that way. And his family ought to be that way. And by the way, you ought to be that way. Okay. This would include having guests in his home or being a guest in someone else's home. This would include visiting preachers or missionaries. They should enjoy fellowship with the pastor and his family. This also includes fellowship before and after services at the church. Had a lady one time, she I was pastoring in Cashville, and, and she said, preacher, she goes, she said, I want want to let you know I went to my friend's church the other day and they were having a special service and she said, you know what? And she was she was one of them grandma's in the church, about eighty something, ninety years old or whatever, and so you listen to grandma. And she, you know, she kind of she's just that old school kind of Letting me know, give me the four one one and she said, You know what? she said, That pastor, he came out of his office right before the service and walked right into the pulpit and he preached and then when he got done he left the pulpit, and went right back into his office and he didn't talk to nobody. And she looked at me and she said, I don't I didn't really like that. And I said, Good, you shouldn't. He's not hospitable. And and, and so and I and I and 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 I you know and I and I I got to be honest here, there've been times where I wished I could have done that. <laughs> it's just like anyone else, there are times where the pastor like to avoid people altogether. He's a he he's a person just like you. And I'll guarantee you not one of us in here tonight could say, "You know, there's never been a time where I I I, I you know, I just I wanted to come into church and and you know and just not talk to anybody or skip the service that night. I guarantee you, everybody in here would say, you know, there's been those times in my life where I just didn't want to be around anybody. Well, guess what? There's been those times in my life too. And guess what? As the pastor, I don't have a choice. I got to be here. I guess I could call in sick. Call in sick. I'm allergic to people tonight. I can't be here. But you know what I've found over the years? I have found... I have found that not only does his people need him, he needs his people as well. Because there's been times on a Wednesday night where out my flesh is barking just like your flesh, and I'm thinking, mercy. And people start coming in, and it just flips the switch like that. And you're like, man, I'm glad I was here tonight. I'm glad I got to fellowship with our people, and I got to preach tonight, and I loved it, and I enjoyed it that don't be offended don't be offended by that's just being honest with you tonight that's just how people feel and and so listen his people need to fellowship with him because they need encouragement from him but what i found is this i need to fellowship with the people of god too because i need their encouragement now but here's the thing now and i got i got something highlighted here i want to give you just do me one favor don't come up to me right before the service with some problem or issue don't come to me and say preacher I need to talk with you right after church tonight and then leave. Don't do that because you know what I'm gonna be doing I'm gonna be sitting up here going wonder what they want to talk about when I got to preach and I got to do all this stuff so because that's what I'm thinking so because here's what I've learned people want to say things and do things at their convenience. when you need to look beyond yourself and realize the pastor has, be patient and considerate of the pastor and the responsibilities that he has. You're not the only one with the problems and issues. All right? And, and so that, that's, you understand, that's why I'm back there after the service and I'm fellowshipping and I'm talking with people because that's when you can come up and go, hey, can I, can I talk with you? Uh, and because here's the thing, if you don't listen to this tonight, listen, I am going to put a fire pole in right over here. And I'm going to start dropping in for the church right there. Slide down and come in. All right, you got your Bibles tonight? Turn. I'm just kidding. That way you can't come to me and go, hey, I got something I want to talk to you about after church tonight. Now, remember, I told you this, but Don Beasy said that, said, was talking to me about that. And he said, one of our guys, uh, one of the guys that was there in the church, Brother Littleton came up to him and said, hey, I want to talk to you after church tonight. And he thought, mercy, what does he want to talk about? What's going on? They leaving the church? What's going on? He goes, After church, he comes up to him and goes, what do you need, brother? And he goes, oh, we just want to see if y'all want to go out to eat tonight. (laughs) Don't do that to me. Now, here's the last thing he must be apt to teach. Look at verse number two. He must be apt to teach. This phrase means instructive. It means that a man of God should know how to handle the word of God. You got a gun and don't know how to use it, it ain't going to do you no good. Same way with the Bible. One of the things that I want you to note here, if you take notes in verse number 2, it's important to note that verse number 2 spends a great deal of time dealing with the pastor's character before ever dealing with the pastor's ability. It tells you that no matter the ability of the man of God, his character must back up his message, otherwise he's a hypocrite and of no use. However, his ability to handle the Word of God is also of great importance, hence the phrase, apt to teach. It means this, it must be he must be disciplined in his studies. Downloading a sermon on simplesermon.com ain't going to cut it for a man of God. He needs to learn, listen, he must spend time in prayer. He must spend time meditating on God's Word and developing His messages. Just as a chef must put in the work to prepare a good meal, the pastor must put in the work to prepare a good spiritual meal for his people. And Last time I checked, I think he's doing a pretty good job. He must be devoted to the Word of God. There's a temptation to compromise or even avoid difficult passages or hurting someone's feelings. A lot of times when he even may know that the passage speaks directly to them. And though you don't want them to feel like you're aiming directly at them because that's never the man of God's intention, you cannot avoid passages. Your loyalty has to remain to the truth of God's Word no matter how controversial it may be, you must stand on the doctrine of God and you must preach the whole counsel of God. And one of the things I want to say tonight publicly to Faith Baptist Church is, we've hit some of those passages before. And I'm very grateful for the Spirit of God's people to understand that it's not easy to preach it and it's not easy to deal with it, but you understand the responsibility to give the whole counsel of God. And here's the third thing, he must develop his delivery. Though people tend to think only studying, uh, of only studying when it comes to preaching and teaching, the message must still be delivered. And this too takes work from the man of God. I have always said that preaching is a craft that has to be developed. He has to learn that his prayer life will have the greatest impact on his delivery. You got to learn that. It determines his spirit and his attitude and his delivery. It determines whether he's fearful or bold or arrogant or confident or angry or compassionate. There's a difference in every one of those. Therefore, he must put in time with God to ensure that he's filled with God's spirit when he preaches. He must learn to apply God's word to the personal lives of God's people. That is one of the most crucial things in delivery. Anybody... Anybody can get the context, the who, the what, the when, the where, all of that stuff. But how does it apply to our lives? That's where it's going to matter. That, it's like Brother Sam Davison said, it, you know, everybody's fine until you get to the application. Because that's where it matters. That's where it becomes personal. But that's where it's going to give us the greatest help. The man of God should be his own hardest critic. I have always said this, I don't need your criticism because I'm my own worst one. And I have my, I, I, my own, I, I usually you can ask my wife this, typically, you know, especially early, early on in ministry, I would, usually one of the first questions when we got in the car after the service uh, was this, what did you think of that message tonight? Because I wanted her opinion on it. How did it go? How was the delivery? How was the application? And and I am thankful that most of the time she did say they were good. But I also will tell you this: there were times where they weren't good, and she was honest, and I'm grateful for that. But you understand that's i, I just you, you know here. But here's the point: learning learning to preach and to teach it is a process, and I that's that's why when we have these guys come in from Heartland and they preach and they teach. And we, I'm just saying it's a process. Have patience with them. And understand, they are going to learn to be their own worst critics. And they're going to be just as hard on themselves. And, and you can mark it down. There'll be times where I call them in my office and go, Hey, you can't do that. You can't say that. I'm just telling you. I always tell people this, and I tell them this, Listen. It took me like five times preaching at Berean Baptist Church when I was training in ministry before I got to where I could preach and not get in trouble afterwards. It's a process. You learn it. All right? And so it's that's here. But here's the thing. It, just as the man of God expects the people of God to have a teachable spirit, he has to have a teachable spirit. And that's what it's all about and learn to develop his talent and his calling for the Lord. Now we're going to stop there tonight we're going to cut it off like a bologna sandwich. But don't let let me remind you, every one of these things that I need in my life, you need in your life. You need to be vigilant. And you need to be hospitable. And you need to be of good behavior. And even you need to be apt to teach. Every one of these things we need, not just me, but all of us need in our lives tonight. What about it? Are you vigilant? Are you sober-minded and balanced and good behavior? Are you putting guards up and things in your life? Let's, Let's all stand tonight. And if you need to do business with the Lord tonight, don't be afraid to do business with the Lord.